question, five words. That's all it takes. God's asking one question of each one of us today that we would, we would follow him. Do we want to be made whole? And that's a question that seems like it's a simple one. Seems like it's a simple one to just answer that question within ourselves. Well, of course I do. If we were, one of us were to go to a hospital and we were walk to each room and say to each person, do you want to be well? It would seem like a dumb question, wouldn't it? But with this man and with all of us, we may have some time and some trust and some tenderness issues that, that may cause us to, to doubt. If I were to ask a question in a, in a small group of a classroom, a, a lifeline class, and I were to ask, um, can I pray with you today over something? And you would say, some, some would say, well, no, I'm fine. I'm okay. It'll all work out. It'll all be okay. Isn't that the same thing? Because then I could follow up and say, do you want to be well? Do you want to be whole, as what the Bible says here in John chapter 5? We're going to um, join John in, in the book of, um, in his book, and go into um, our reading today. It says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. They seem to always go up to Jerusalem. That was the high place for the for the Jews of that time. And now there was at Jerusalem there a sheep market, a pool, in which was called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, Bethesda, which means house of mercy. Having five porches, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at the certain season into the pool and troubled the water whatsoever. Then first... After the troubling of the water stepped into, into and was made whole of whatsoever disease they had. And certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And, and Jesus saw him lie and, and knew that he was uh, or he had been now a long time in that case. And he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled, but to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another step it down before me. And Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And, and the same day was the Sabbath. And, and the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. And he answered them, and he said, uh, he that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked them, they them, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And, and he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away and a multitude being in that place. And afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus. He finally got a name to his answer, amen, and which had made him whole, amen. You know, uh, I highlighted the parts that Jesus had said here of, of um, the five words, um, wilt thou be made whole and, and rise, take up thy bed and walk, and these last few words. Because I think it's important for us to see what Jesus has to say about our illness and by our suffering. The infirmity here 
it's speaking of. Every time we see infirmity in the Bible, it tells us it's a blind man. It's, it's, a, it's a, somebody who can't walk. And here we don't really know exactly what it is. And I think for good reason, because we can learn something from our own ailments and our own, own problems that we face in our life. And we can see that, that in our own existence, we have to come to grips with our own questioning of ourselves and our own pool of problems. We sure do have a uh, pool of them, don't we, at times? And that the waiting of the water, it seems like first come, first serve, right? It seems like that this pool that, that exists in Bethesda, not in Maryland, by the way, in Jerusalem, um, was outside of the temple. And being outside the temple, this was a place uh, to bring your sheep for offering for the Lord. And although the offering that made it to the temple was pure and clean, this was a very dirty place. So I want to look at three things today, but I first want to, I first want to draw your attention to what the purpose is for the book of John. The purpose of the book of John is found over in, um, in John chapter 20. And uh, go to the next slide for me. This is the feast of the Passover celebration, and, and this was a time of celebration of giving and sacrifice and remembrance, and it was a time that when, when there was celebration, that there was, in that remembrance, there was sacrifice. And if you remember back on the, the blood on the doorpost, and it was, a, it was kind of a bloody thing, but they had turned it into a celebration, and anytime there's a celebration, there's a lot of people and this was a prime time begging time, right? It's a time to beg and time to be at this place of five porches and to wait for the, the so-called moving of the water with the angel. And, and, and understanding that this had, there was never an occurrence that, that had ever transpired to cause them to feel that this would have taken place. Obviously, the first person who made it to the water was the person who had the least amount of debilitation to get to the water. So this man had been here 38 years, and he couldn't get there. In fact, you know, when Jesus asked the question, wilt thou be made whole, he didn't answer yes. He immediately came up with reasons, as we're about to embark on. I want to first see this. Um, in this, we see that Jesus observed compassionately. We're going to jump ahead. And Jesus observed compassionately. Jesus saw him lie there and knew that he had been now there for a long time in that case. For 38 years had been there. Almost four decades in one spot. How did he get there? You know, who dropped him off and left? How old was he? We don't know. You know the lifespan back then wasn't as long as it is now. And so and most of his life was spent begging and sitting and waiting for someone to help him. And, and we, we as God's children are, are the same way spiritually if we're not careful. We can wait for someone else. We can wait for things to happen. You know the number five has, has um, the five porches around the the gate to, here in the pool uh, of Vesedia. Um, the five porches here. There were five books of the law. There were five animals brought to the temple of sheep, goats, cattle, pigeons, and doves. There were, uh, finally, 
There are five wounds of Jesus on the cross. Five is the number of mercy in the Bible. And mercy was about to be showed here. Bethesda itself, in the Greek, was house of mercy. It was uh, mercy and grace that's provided to anyone who would receive it. But we can't just receive it and not expect to be changed by it. Grace doesn't leave you. God loves you so much not to leave you where you are. Amen? God wants to make your life whole. Not to just give you life, but life more abundant. In John 20 and 21, it tells that it, the, the purpose of the book of John was to do this right here. It says, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing that ye might have life through his name. See, there's one thing about believing, but then there's another thing about getting a life. Have you ever heard that phrase to someone, get a life, right? What does that mean? It means, it means to change. And, you know, Mark Twain once said, the only one comfortable with change is a wet baby, right? You know? We're not comfortable with change. We're not comfortable with making changes in our life. And the healing that was about to take place in this man's life was one that was going to change his life. And Jesus asked the question, do you want your life to be changed? Do you want it to be changed? Wilt thou be made whole? This observed compassion, this, there's a multitude of broken, and yet one in the crowd gets blessed. You know, I, I used to watch old prison movies. And, you know, you watch like Shawshank Redemption and these other movies. And the rule in prison was, you, if you want to be respected, you go off to the toughest guy. You go off to the toughest guy, and that will be the guy, if you can take him out, you can be respected by the whole prison, right? Well, we're all in prison today. We're all in prison in our own sins. And Jesus was at the pool, and he was in the courtyard here, and he's applying the same rule here. He's going to take out the toughest case. The toughest case. He, he went to the dirtiest entrance to the holiest place to find the toughest case. Amen. He met the hardest case in need of healing. The sheep gate was the dirtiest gate to get in to the temple. Yet it, he was in the temple. The dirtiest place God wants to get into your life today. And God wants to come into your life. And he doesn't want just the best. He wants the worst of your life, too. But some of us just don't want to give that. We'll be like the late, we'll just let ourselves lay around for four decades and never get fixed. Well, that, that's where the Lord comes in. And he wants to come into our sheep gate. He wants to come into that dirty place, that place that nobody else wants to come. Sheep, shepherds, and the sick all came through that one gate door. You know what? He, you know, and... Uh, under um, the law, if you had leprosy or you had sickness, you were far away from everyone else. And they would just throw change at you. They wouldn't come and hand it to you and touch you. And that's what we see here. Going to the dirtiest interest in the holiest place, and he met with the hardest case in need of healing. Like other diseases and handicaps, we don't know really what this man's ailment was. The items around our houses 
sometimes are broken. Do you have anything in your house? Do you have anything in your house that's broken that you keep around? And you don't use it anymore? I've got a toaster that only works. Uh, it's a four-prong toaster. And only one side works. And, you know, it, it, it'll get stuck in there and burn up, you know. And the other side will work. But I keep it around. I don't get another toaster because I just, you know, kind of keep it limping along. You know what I mean? Anybody have anything in their house like that? You've got something in your house that just doesn't work? Can opener? You know, it's always an electronic thing, isn't it? You know, even a broken clock works twice a day, right? So you say, hey, well, why not? Just keep it around. You know, there's things that we keep around that are broken, and we just kind of settle with it in our life. Well, that's exactly what happens when we do that in a spiritual and emotional sense. This physical ailment that this man had, it didn't matter. This is a lesson for us. This is a lesson for his disciples. And we are his disciples today. Jesus went to the hardest case in the room in that pool area, and he said, I'm going to make you whole. But he had to do it with questions. Some have broken hearts. Some are broken people. What's the difference? The time, the trust, the tenderness that takes place. The, the word broken or infirmity here it represents uh, two sticks that are rubbed together. And over a period of time, it builds a fire, and then they get rubbed raw, and then they're, and they're no good. It's like, like our life is being faced with um, bombardment, and we just can't get into any place, that brokenness. Some broken statements we attribute to God. How about this? God helps those who help themselves. You ever heard that phrase? <laughs> you ever heard that one? Well, God helps those who don't help themselves. God is, God, his grace goes to everyone. This man didn't know the Lord from anybody. Just like the boy who was blind from birth, when Jesus healed him and, and healed that boy, he, they did not know who he was. So, Thy faith will make thee whole. It isn't faith that makes us whole. It's the Lord who makes us whole. Amen? It's not our faith. There's sometimes I, haven't had, I don't have any faith in God's wanting to make me whole and change my life. Some broken statements. How about this one? Time heals all wounds. How many of you know if you let if you let, let bitterness creep up in you, that it will take seed in your heart and you'll no longer the hot anger that you had will turn to cold bitterness if you're not careful. Time does not heal all wounds. Just give it time. It'll be better later. And we just push it off. And procrastination has become we come become pros at procrastination of just pushing it off. This was the time when Jesus shows up and the man gets asked this question. So people can get broken spiritually and emotionally and physically, experiences, wrong choices, others' oppression, betrayal, hurtful words. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 and 14, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but the wounded spirit who can bear. Wow. Our wounded hearts cannot bear the pain of the, the hurt that we face. We've been through, you know, pandemic and, and all of that. We talk about the physical and the spirit, the, the financial burden, but the emotional and, and uh, burden that we have faced over these past two years can be unbearable. 
we see it in our schools, we see it in our homes, and we see it all even in our churches, that it's too much to bear, so we need to trust in the one who comes, not to the moving of the water, but the moving of our hearts. So, Jesus is observing compassionately, but he also, he doesn't just come and observe compassionately, he interacts honestly. He asks the question, will thou be made whole? He doesn't say, hey everybody, you guys all want to be well? He pinpoints one person and asks one question. Five words, the number of grace, and asking one question of our hearts. Wilt thou be made whole? Or do you want to be well? No one had probably ever talked to this man like this. They just talked to him in pity or throwing money at him. And the loving, loving the broken means preaching the unbroken gospel to them. Not holding back, but telling the truth to people. Do you really want to be well? You've been this way for so long. Maybe this is not the thing you need in your life to change. Jesus is basically saying, do you accept the responsibility to be healed? I have the power to heal. Do you want to be healed? And immediately, this man, instead of saying yes, he then comes to what? Excuses. Excuses. What's he say? He says, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. Well, let me ask you, how did the guy get there? The guy just just drop him off. I mean, when I was a kid, I was about seven or eight years old. I got lost at the mall. My my mom ditched me at the mall. She left me there. She, you know, she's got two older you know daughters. She she's taking you know, I have two older sisters. I can't call them her daughter. They're my sisters, right? And. And so she was so busy with that, and somebody's got a little brother. I was kind of like home alone, it's only at the mall, right? And so I was, I was at the mall by myself, alone, and you know, some of you think that's paradise right there, right? You know, being at the mall alone, you know. But, uh, but I was scared out of my mind, all by myself. This man got dropped off almost 40 years ago. Do you think he stayed there the whole time? There was, there was probably festivals. There, was, there were seven feasts that took place in the Jewish culture and great times to beg for money. But I don't think the guy lived there. So making the excuse that he was just dropped off and left there 38 years ago, it isn't going to fly, folks. There's people who care for him, just like you. Don't get in the pity party of party of one, party of one, please. Don't get in that pity party and say that you are all alone and nobody cares and I'll just go sit in the corner and waste my life away and nobody will care about me. Boo-hoo. That is not true. Amen? God has put people in your heart, in your life, in your church to care for you, for, to love you. But we get into that mindset of excuses. The greatest men in the Bible, Moses, David, Aaron, had personal issues with tongue and passion and eyesight. They had trouble. They had handicaps that God, in his own infinite power and grace, gave them strength to write most of the Bible of those, just those three men. So don't tell me 
that you can't make a choice. The, Jesus told him to rise, amen? He told them to rise. In your excuses, it's time to rise, amen? Don't make your excuses the reason why you don't do anything for God or blame everybody else because you're not close to God, because you're not getting the, the victory in your life. Victory is in Jesus, amen? I heard an old, old story how the Savior came from glory, how he made the lame to walk again, caused the blind to see, amen? It's all about victory in Jesus. We may not be healed of our physical, but we always be healed of our spiritual, and that's where God is, amen? Amen. Some of us, some of us stand taller, stand taller because of our infirmities than those who can stand straight up. Helen Keller often said, I pity those people who can't see like I can. And you know, that's, um, you, you read through the songbook. In the songbook we have right there in our pews, and, and you know, there was uh, a famous lady who, who wrote, I'll Fly Away, and a few other, other great hymns in that, who was born blind. Being able to see the unseeable. The excuses people make. First we make the choices, then our choices make us. The devil said to Adam, it's, it's God's fault that you don't know good from evil. And then Adam said after he ate the fruit, it's a woman you gave me, Lord. Excuses, right? No one can hinder the destiny of your life except you. Pastor, let me tell you why that I'm the exception to the power of God, right? I need to tell you, don't confront my sin because, you know, I'm the exception. You don't really know what I'm going through. You know, the whole harmonica bit. <laughs> you don't know the pain <laughs> that I'm going through, right? Some of us are living in a prison of our own making by our own excuses, I'm going to pick on old Jimmy there for a minute. Jim. Jimmy's a blessing to me. When we were decorating the Christmas tree, he got excited. And he's, he's at the very eye level of a lot of little kids around here. And he got excited about decorating that Christmas tree. He couldn't reach up very high. Right, Jimmy? Can't reach very high. But he got down to where all the kids were. He was decorating that tree. Not a fuss, not anything about decorating that tree. He just said, where can I help? What can I do to do it? So when you think of the ailments and you think of the things that you're going through, all you got to do is reach out. The Lord is there, amen? Above the excuses, rise above it, amen? Rise above whatever it is. A lot of excuses that are made. The second thing that Jesus mentions here is effort. Effort. But while I am coming, another stepped down before me. I didn't get the opportunity. And Jesus tells us just to take up. He said to take up thy bed. He, in faith, rise. But also, I want you to do something. I want you to make an effort. See, see, when I made an effort to go to the pool where I thought my answer was, when I went to the pool and I couldn't get there because nobody was there to help me, that when I even tried, it failed. So why even try anymore? 
Why should I even try? Pretty soon, our hearts give out for trying too much. But God will never leave you or forsake you, amen? And when, when you turn to God, he'll never turn back from you. What kind of bed have you made for yourself? Take it up, amen? Moses, David, and Paul. Remember I told you about their problems, right? Oh, Moses, right? He, 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 he had stutter problem. So did I. I grew up with a stuttering problem. Now I can't, keep, now I can't shut up. Amen. But, and David had a passion problem, right? He, could, he kept on looking at the ladies. He married a bunch of times. Taught his sons how to marry a bunch of times, right? The old Solomon knew how to do that, right? 450 wives. Where do you think he learned it from? Dad. Paul had his problem with eyesight. But do you know what? The same thing about Moses, the same thing about David, and the same thing about Paul, they were all murderers too. Think about the worst crime you could possibly do. Murder, right? And beat you. David says, uh-uh, I've done it. Not proud of it. Moses did it. He ran for 40 years after he did it. Amen? Paul did it. Killing Christians. He didn't let that be an excuse. He said, you know what? I'm chiefest of sinners, so now I must work. The works that God has given to me, I'm not going to outdo God's grace, but I sure am going to try. Amen? I'm sure going to try to serve him. I'm in debt to God, so I will be indebted to him, and I will press on to the mark of the high calling of, of Christ who has loved me. He has my heart, but I want to grab his heart. David was a man after God's own heart, even though he was a murderer. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible even though he was a murderer. Paul was a murderer, and he wrote most of the New Testament, established more churches than anyone else. So don't tell me that the efforts that you make aren't, don't mean anything, and excuses you might make mean anything. Most people don't just uh, recover from infirmities. Do you know that? Most people don't recover from infirmities. You know why? Because, because the pain... The pain of recovery is more than the injury itself. You may get an injury, and the pain of it's more, more unbearable than the injury itself. It takes a long time to heal. Have you ever pinched a nerve? You know, just a nerve. I, I pinched one in my shoulder, and I was around like this for, for weeks. Brother BJ's not here. Our pastor, he's... He's experienced this too. And you may injure yourself, and it only takes a second, and then all of a sudden, it's years. That pain that you're feeling. So, so I guess we're not supposed to stretch it, or we're not supposed to move it. We're just supposed to guard it and guide it and, and just tell everybody how painful it is and just point out all the times, don't, don't, don't let me do anything too hard because I've got this pain here. No, 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 I, I just can't help you because I've got this pain right here. You know, that's the same place where that chip on your shoulder is, right? I got this pain and I, I just can't let it go. You know, that's, that's where the effort comes in. You know how to work that out is to work it out, right? Work out thy own salvation with fear and trembling. Sometimes we are called to do the work and that's what, that's what, uh, this man was called to do the effort 
Jesus asking this one question of five words, this five words of grace, was asking the question to get him to reveal his excuses and to reveal his lack of effort. And also reveal this, his experiences. His experiences. It says, behold, thou art, uh, thou art made whole. After he was made whole, after he rose, it says, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon it. What's worse than four, almost 40 years of lameness? How about not knowing Jesus? Amen? About not being close to Jesus. Jesus tells us to walk. He says, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Walk in the new experiences of knowing Jesus. The worst thing, the Bible says that a man who tries to cleanse his life of sin in his life sweeps and garnishes his life. This is in the book of Luke. It says that he sweeps his life and he cleans up his life. Oh, woe is me. And how great I am now that I've cleaned up my life. It says that if you don't put God in its place, uh, demons worse than the ones you swept out will come into that place. You know that? You've just made room for more bad things in your life. The experiences of your life. Behold, thou art made whole, lame man. Now I want you to go. I want you to go and sin no more, lest the worst thing would come upon you. See, that's, that's what happens. It's, it's our purpose to bear much fruit in John 15, verse 5. Trees have to face all sorts of adversity to bear fruit. Do you know that? You don't just look at a tree and go, okay, all right, get ready. Here it comes. Here comes the fruit. Boom. There, look at all the fruit that just came on the tree. No, that's years and years of time and toil and trouble, right? The seed has to be buried, and then it has to die. A seed germinates by dying. And then, it, do you know, what it, you know what seed does? Seed grows down before it grows up. It goes down, and then it comes up. And then, it, and then you think, oh, well, that's great. It's up now, past the surface, broke through the surface. Now that seed has to face all the weather up, upstairs out of, that, out of that ground. And then it has to have enough water, have enough sun, and it has to be not picked up by animals and plants and anything else trying to choke it out and then it grows up grows up grows up grows up and then it finally can bear fruit your process of bearing fruit is not an overnight thing amen the sitcoms are all liars to us amen you know the half an hour shows that they have a, they have a problem the first five minutes and then they solve it in the last five minutes right and then some commercials in between, right? We're like, oh, well, I, how come my problems aren't solved so quickly? Because maybe you need to take some effort. Maybe you need to have some experience. God is keeping us sometimes in the trouble that we're in to grow us, to, be, to have more experience, to grow us up, or so that we are in a light to other people. Amen? Sometimes... You know, we forget that there were other people in that pool along with that lame man who had this great illness and ailment. He was just the, he was like the worst one. And all the other ones, maybe I have hope. If he was healed, maybe I have hope. 
Maybe you're, maybe you're healing in your life, and you come into the Lord uh, by letting go of your excuses. Amen? Amen. By giving it some effort, and by trusting God to give over your experiences to Him. Maybe you can be a light to somebody who needs you. Amen? But, but you have to be one who, who answers the question, yes, I want to be made whole. He doesn't say, do you want to walk again? He didn't, he didn't ask that question. Amen? He didn't ask the question, do you want to walk again? Do you want to be around everybody, your family again? He didn't ask that. Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be well? Do you want to be okay? And the answer to that question is a question I ask of you today. See, when he was made well, it wasn't all easy street after that. Because now his begging was done. His life of begging at the five porches, these porches of grace, were done. His life had to change. So how does our life change once we start getting on the path of wellness? See, the trouble with an alcoholic is not the alcoholism. It's the getting well. Do you know that? What's worse than drinking? Not drinking. Right? What's worse than doing drugs? Not doing drugs. What's worse than sinning? Not sinning. Why? You say, well, that seems, that seems um, uh, our trouble should be wiped away when, when we stop drinking, when we stop doing drugs, when we, when we ask God to come into our life. That's not how it works. Our bodies still crave those things. Our bodies are sinful. Our mind is sinful. Everything about us is sinful other than the place where God resides on the throne room of our hearts. So I want to ask you today in this, in this question, do you have adversity in your life? You should expect it. Once you start getting on the mend of your life, you should expect adversity. And that's what Jesus sees in this man. He expected adversity. He expected adversity. The first thing he hears, he had to carry his own criticism. What, what happened in the story? The man, he was told to get, up, get your bed and carry it. Take up your bed and walk. Get out of here. You don't belong here anymore. Right? How many of you like Jesus talking to you like that? First off, do you want to be well? I don't sound very compassionate at all, Lord. I want a touchy-feely Jesus that I can, ooh, just feel warm and cozy. And he just accepts all my flaws and He's a tolerant God who just, who just accepts me and who I am and everything. He loves you too much to keep you there, amen? He loves you too much to, to sit by the wayside begging. He loves you. And so he asked the tough questions of your heart. And that question today, will you be made whole? When it, once, he, once he was healed and he started walking, the criticism started. Let me tell you this. The moment you start doing something for Jesus, about the moment the devil finds his fiery darts of the wicked ones to criticize you. Amen? Look what he says here. He says, and immediately the man was made whole. Praise God. He took up his bed and he walked on the same, on the same day was the Sabbath. Oh, no, you know what's coming. The Jews, therefore, the religious right, right? They therefore said unto him, him uh, that it was cursed and it was a sabbath day and it was not lawful for you to carry the bed this guy just got healed and all they care about is that he's carrying his mattress see there's going to be a people around you that don't want you to get well 
because it reminds them of their need to get well and to get right. There's people around you right now in your life, I'm sure of it, that just like you the way you are. And if you change, you're going to have to change friends, right? Now, when I got saved, you know, I was just nine years old, but even at a nine-year-old, I had to change friends. And anytime you get right with God, you get wrong with a lot of people in your life. Amen. So he had to carry his own criticism. He had to carry it. And he was criticized. Now notice this also. He, fa- he was facing a new future also in verse 12 and 13. Then asked they him, what man is it that said unto thee, take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was. Right? He didn't know who it was. I don't know. All I know is the same guy who told me to rise and walk is the one I'm, I'm going to obey. I'm going to follow that guy because he helped me. Amen. We trust. It's only wise to trust your unknown future to an all-knowing God. Amen. Amen. Every self-help group, every group that you've, you could ever hear about ha- always has this one mantra, trust in a higher power. Well, I'm here to tell you who the higher power is. It's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Without a doubt, he's a healer, the great physician, the mighty, the, the mighty authority of our life. And he, he's the one we can trust in without a doubt. And we trust and not be hurt um, by him. He will no wise leave us. And so today, we face, we face an unknown future, but we face a new one with our Lord. To carry that criticism and to know that a new future is ahead of us, even though, even though we may be doing the wrong thing to the world, we're doing the right thing with God. With God and me, we're the majority. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? Greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. But I'll tell you what, a lot of us, we bow to that pressure, don't we? I mean, how many of us have, have done that over this period of time? I, I've been in, I was, at a, I was at somewhere just Friday night, and everybody had a mask on. And there was no mask rule, but everybody else had a mask on, and I didn't have one, I didn't have one on. You know what I did? I hurried and grabbed the mask, put it on. You know, I don't know where you're standing on masks and all that, but none of us got masks on right now, so I'm assuming it's all, all right to say that. But that pressure, can you feel the pressure at times? Amen? That's just a physical thing, but there's a spiritual pressure that comes down our way. And that's why, that's why this last thing is so important. Our witness to the world that we live in. In verse 15, it says, The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. He finally had a name to his king. He finally had his name to his salvation. He finally had a name to his redemption. Amen. And that's what it takes for our life. In conclusion, in conclusion, Jesus is observing your life with compassion. And he wants the dirtiest and the hardest case. Well, I I just can't give that up to God. I, God wants my best. He doesn't want my worst. Let me tell you, he will, not, he will not respect your best until you give him your worst. Do you know that? 
A lot of us, well, I'll just give my tithe and offering. I'll teach my little class, and I'll just do my little job at church. It, meanwhile, I'm in pain, limping along Sunday to Sunday, and I'm hurt. I feel alone. I feel uh, cast down. I feel drawn out. I feel overwhelmed. But I'll just keep on keeping on and put brave face on for everybody else. And you think that offering is good to God, it's an insult to God because he knows your true heart. He knows your part, that part of you is by the pool of Bethesda just begging for some help. Jesus, Jesus wants to interact honestly by revealing excuses and efforts and experiences. He wants honest worship, amen? He wants honesty. The, the most honoring thing we can do before God is to honor him with our whole heart, amen? You know, even David, some of the man who murdered, the man who, who uh, committed adultery, this man was, he had rotten periods in his life. His own son was trying to kill him. And he, he would shake his fist at God and, and, and he would be mad at God. He'd say, he'd say, why do the heathen rage and imagine this vain thing? And he would shake his fist at God. Why, why don't I have everything that you promised me? And he'd be mad and complaining to God, but by the end of that psalm, praise God, he worked it out with him. That's where the honesty comes with God. We must say to God, God, I, I want to be, on, be honoring to you. But the only way I can be honoring to you is if I'm, if I'm really honest with you. And I'm scared to be honest. I'm scared to really worship you. Because there's still parts of my own pain and hurt that I'm worshiping more than you are. Because that's really what it's down to. You're worshiping your pain. You're worshiping your past. You're worshiping all the bitterness and hurts in your life that may have been like this man who spent years having this trouble. You've got to just say, Lord, I'm done with the excuses. I'm done with all the effort that I've been making, and I want to experience you. Finally, Jesus is there for every adversity, every criticism, the future, and witness. The Lord is there. Amen? The Lord is there. A lot of times we, uh, we've been in the position where we know, Lord, I know you put me here. I know you put me here. But did you forget where you left me? I, I'm... I sometimes feel like God's forgotten me. He's forgotten where he put me. Because we do that, don't we? We set things down and we forget where we left them. I've got a thing on my keys at, at home where i got to push a button, find where my keys are. My wife, it's right where my wife can see me every time I do it. And she reminds me, oh, wasn't that a good gift I got you? Mm-hmm. She'd tell, I told you so, I told you so, I told you you need this gift. You can find it everywhere, anytime, just push that button. Now I just got to keep the battery charged that's on my key ring. Right? But God knows where you're at at all times. He's an ever-present help in trouble. And you're in trouble. If you have any part in your life 
that has been that's been playing the game of Christian and church and Christ stuff uh, and just this phony baloney worship stuff. You've got to bend your knee and bend your heart to God and ask God to forgive you of your sins. And then he will heal your lands. And then he will be great in your life. But God ain't great in your life until the, great, the things that are grating on you have been taken care of. And I want to ask you as we prepare a song and get ready to sing. The song will be only trust him. That's how simple it is. Just only trust him. Don't look to... Don't look to other things. Don't look to other people, relationships, riches, right? The future time when you're going to feel better. Only trust him. That's a present imperative. Trust him now. And maybe he will save you now if you don't know him. Maybe he will change you now. Maybe he will work the things out that have been broken for so long. Maybe you need to ask God in your heart. We've, we, we, put the, we put this invitation at the end of our services for a reason. Because Jesus is at the edge of the pool right now. Waiting for you to come. Wilt thou be made whole? Well, no, I'm okay. It'll get better later. How do you know? See, the only thing you can have trust in is in the Lord. Only trust him.